Well, hi everyone, and uh, it is good to, it's really good to be with you, and, and for those of you who are online, of course it's good to be with you too. Now, I'm glad we're reading this passage every week, it's, uh, as I keep, I don't know about you, as I keep coming to it, I mean this is only the third week, I keep seeing something different and new each time, or, or I'm refreshed in it each time, so it's really helpful reading it out. As I said, we're in the third week of this series. Quick reminder of the last two weeks, uh, which is, you know, when it comes to matters of the devil, uh, people can go in one of two directions. Some, and, and some cultures are like this too. Some cultures can appear to be more devil conscious, you know, almost obsessed with the devil and that somehow Jesus takes a lesser place rather than a, than a higher place. And it often leads to fearfulness and anxiety about such an enemy. Now, other cultures can be the total opposite, such as the one in which we live. They don't believe in the devil whatsoever. They don't have a category for evil. Now, they use the word evil in our culture. You hear that word used. Uh, for acts that are just un- uh, pretty much unspeakable. I can't believe it. But they don't have a category in which to put it. They're not sure what to do with the word evil. And hence, in cultures like ours, evil is something, it can be solved, either through education or perhaps therapy or perhaps additional funding somewhere for this particular Need. In other words, in our culture, it's fixable. C.S. Lewis, and you've heard this before, he said there are, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. But believe you me, I can assure you this, the devil is happy with whichever position you take. I mean, he prefers the one where you don't believe in it at all. But um, if it's error, he loves it. So, the writer of this letter is the Apostle Paul. Now, he writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He knows what he is talking about. This man has been beaten. He's been flogged. He's been stoned. He's been left for dead. He gets this stuff. He gets it. He's not writing a sort of PhD from a a, a cozy armchair on warfare. He's not doing that at all. He's in a prison cell, probably, probably chained. The other factor is is that the Apostle Paul has history too. And he's done possibly unspeakable things in persecuting the church. So Christians, we need to wise up. We put on the whole armor of God. At the end of these days, the Apostle Paul says, I fought the good fight. (laughs) He knows what this is about. He says, I've finished the race. I've remained faithful. Now, in the Gospels, you read that Jesus writes, 
Jesus invites the weary and the overburdened. He says, come to me. And he promises them a life with a, a, that will fit, a life that's, a life that he says is, is light and easy. But my friends, he never says it's passive. His armor is not for everyone. It's for God's people. So we need to listen up, church. So we come to this first piece of armor. And verse 13 says, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist. That's where we're at today. The belt of truth. Three areas to cover. Why is it so important? That's the second one. The first one is, why the belt? Why is it so important? And how do I apply it? Now, when it comes to having a battle mentality and a warfare, I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes to mind is not a belt. Go on, then pick up your belt. What's, what's that about? It's, it's, it's sword, shield, helmet. I, I, I get all of that. But a belt, it's not an offensive weapon. It's not a defensive weapon. It, and yet, notice this, it comes before the other, all the other pieces. In fact, it's not even a piece of armor. It doesn't, it, it's a belt. But the belt comes first. And you need to get that, Christians. The belt comes first. It's absolutely foundational to the rest of the armor. And of course, it's foundational to your life in Christ. Now, the apostle Paul is writing to his own people in his own day, his own generation. And it was the custom at that time they would wear uh, a sort of a long tunic or uh, long robes. And the belt, which would be quite broad, and uh, what you would do is you would, you would gather all the folds of your robes or your tunics, you'd gather them, and you would belt it in. It was, I mean, or else you would, you would fold them and tuck them in. Otherwise, otherwise you, weren't, you didn't have freedom of movement or stability. So you needed that freedom and get it all tucked in. So the first thing the soldier always did is to gather all his clothing and by means of the belt, fix it around his waist, firmly in position. In fact, if you've been around long enough, you'll know that the, the words uh, is in, th- in things like the authorized version says, gird up your lo- loins, gird it up. You know, it, it means pick it up. And it actually, it's not an idea that's new. It comes... You see it in the book of Exodus. So when the Israelites are about to flee from Egyptian oppression, which has been for hundreds of years, they come to this last evening and they have this last meal. And the meal is called the Passover. And Moses tells them how to eat it. And he says, with your, eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. 
In other words, be in a position of readiness. The same phrase is used in 1 Peter 1 verse 13 where it talks about girding up the loins of your mind. You know, and I don't know about you, but sometimes my mind's all over the place. I've got all these thoughts and, and then another one comes in. It's just all these things. Some of them quite some distraction and some of them quite concerning. And that, no one needs to you know, gird it up, belt it up. Get it, get your mind alert and concentrated. Have it shaped by the truth. And that's what this belt is. It's the belt of truth. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. It comes first. It embraces your life. It's the truth of the scriptures. You need this belt. November the 22nd, 1963. David Lodge is a playwright. And he's watching one of his plays. And in the middle of a particular scene, according to the script, the radio on the set is turned on. And it's tuned in to the local radio. Now, the, the theatre is full. And the actors are in full flow. And everybody's caught up with the plot. And the radio is turned on. And they're tuning it in. And you know, like it is, it's a... Suddenly the music blares and then it goes quiet and then it stutters and voices come and then they, then they go and, and then suddenly an urgent and stark voice breaks through. And this is what it says. Today in Dallas, Texas, President John F. Kennedy was shot and killed. The actor goes to the, he goes to the radio to, to turn it off, but it's too late. In just a few plain words, the real world has broken in, and the play is over. When you become a Christian, the real world breaks in, and all your little plays and dramas and acts everything comes there's a bigger story than all of that everything every gift is a totally different perspective the real world breaks in Jesus said you shall know the truth and of course you know the next but I suspect it and the truth will what? set you free yes it will the word of God is the belt of truth so why is it so important? And because the armor, the, the shield the, of faith and the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, I'll tell you, it's useless without it. You need the belt of truth. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know it. You know, that's the ground, my friends. That's the gospel ground on which you stand. You need to know it. You need to know that you're chosen. Chosen, I mean, <laughs> intentionally chosen. Yes, you, intentionally. And you need to know too that you're adopted into his family. You're not on the outside, you're on the inside. You need to know that you're reconciled. That means you're no longer estranged. You're, you're no longer separate from him. You, you're in. 
You're with him. You need to know that you're liberated. It says we've been set free. That Christ has set us free. You need to know too, my friends, that you are justified. Because the Bible tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You need to know this. You need to know that you are clean. Yes, you are. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You need to know you're forgiven. This is the gospel. Belt of truth. Put it on. You need to know you're forgiven. You know, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he moved, removed our transgressions from us. I love the gospel. And I hope you do too. Do you know it? Do you act on it? Is it deep inside you? Because this is the truth about your life. If you put it on first, without it, we're completely lost. This word governs the outlook of my life. You You have to know it. It will shape your thinking. All aspects of life, relationships, money, politics, work, sex. I mean, just a whole range. You need to know what the Word of God says. Previously, it was all your word and all your opinions. Well, you you need to know God's opinion. This is the authoritative Word of God, my friends comes first it's the infallible word of God now people will say people say oh no it's it's a it's it's a fine it's a fine piece of literature you know it's it really is and in it there's great teaching but you can't say it's you can't say it's all true You, you can't say it's revelation life has changed Society has moved on. You can't say that's the, you can't say it's the belt of truth, truth. You can't. My friends, if you can't say this is the belt of truth, you are stuck. You are stuck. Which parts are you going to pick and choose? Because we all want our level of truth. So which parts are you going to pick and choose? Well, I have this bit, but um, um, I'm not going to have that. I don't agree with that. Well, then you're writing your own belt of truth. What do you want? God's belt of truth or yours? If you don't believe this is the authoritative word of God, you won't stand firm. You will shift. Your, your feet will be on shifting sand. You cannot stand firm. You, that, this is the problem. You're going to live with the fads and the fashions of of the popular opinions of the day, I'll tell you, they'll change. 30 years' time, they'll be completely different to where they are now. Where will you be? Where are you going to stand? Here, first and foremost, buckle up. Word of truth. Get it round you. This word holds us together. You don't hold it. It holds you. All scripture, God-breathed useful for rebuking, teaching, correcting, training righteousness, all of it, God breathed. Christian, this word shapes you. 
It, it changes you. But you have to learn how to use it. So how do we, how do we apply this? Now, well, the Bible tells us that when you become a Christian, you're a new creation. And you're a new person. And you have a new heart. You have a new spirit. You don't have a new mind. We're told to renew our minds. It says, be renewed in your thinking. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My friends, be serious about knowing God's word. The Bible tells us that the devil is a liar. You're not exempt from his lies, I can assure you. It says in Revelations that he is a, an accuser of the brethren, God's people. He does it day and night. You need to know what is true about you. I remember when I first became a, when I became a youth pastor, it seems like another era. It was another era. I, I became a church youth pastor. And I have to say, for me, it was an intense time of spiritual warfare. I'd never, I'd never experienced anything up to that time like it. It seems as if all the accusations of the enemy were relentless, just never stopped coming. I was just flooded with thoughts of how I'd lived when I turned my back on the Lord in previous years. And uh, who did I think I was? Who did I think I was? Leading young people. Why? Who did I think I was? And then it was, uh, what sort of example was I? And what about the way I treated others? Uh, recently, I met somebody from college who we, had never, we hadn't met for 35 years. And he'd found out that I'd become a church leader. I suppose to use a very known phrase, he was gobsmacked. Uh, it was a jaw-dropping moment. He, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. Why was that? It's because he knew me when I was at college. And uh, we, we had a meal with him recently with some other friends at college. We hadn't been in there five minutes. He said, well, go on then. Tell me your story. I could just, I couldn't believe it. So the enemy had ammunition, you see. It's not without ammunition. Accusation at that time followed accusation. I went to my senior pastor, Stuart Reed, who preaches here from time to time, and um, he put a book in my hand. Stuart often does that, puts a book in your hand. Put a book in my hand, it's by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And the title on the front was Spiritual Depression. And I recall him saying, it's not a great title for a book, but read this chapter. It was full of truth. Absolutely full of truth. I mean, it, it just broke in. It broke into all the deception, all the schemes, all the lies of the devil. just utterly broke in. It was liberating. I was united with Christ. Of course I was. I was a new creation. Christ died for my sins. Even those 
Even those, he died for my sins. It's dealt with. I was alive in Christ. Wow. It squashed every accusation. And it enabled me to stand my ground in what Christ had done for me. I'm not going to agree with Satan's accusation. There's a bigger story, and it's God's story. I'll have that. Amen? So do you find yourself agreeing with the devil's whispers? My friends, he can change you can't he can't change your status, but he can change your effectiveness. You're in a battle. So be serious about God's work. Rick Warren said, you need to think about what you think about. You do. You need to think about it. The direction of your life will follow your thinking. So what are you going to fill your head with? It says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have endless avenues coming into your mind. TV, radio, music, magazines, social media. Listen, we're people who like to conform, believe it or not, we do. We want to behave like everyone else. We want to be in. We take on the opinions of, and views of our culture. We want to blend in. We want to be accepted. Whether it's at work or with other parents whom our children have been befriended. We, we, want, to be, we want to be okay. See, peer pressure isn't only a young people's thing. It is a pressure. You need to think about what you think about. You need to know where you stand. And you must have noticed it. Well, perhaps you didn't, but three times the Apostle Paul uses the word stand. Stand your ground. Having done everything, stand. Stand firm then. There's no frenetic rushing around here. Jesus has already given us the freedom we have in him. You need to occupy the territory that he has given you. Not to take our stand. This is a gospel of salvation. You know, live in it. You know, after the resurrection, Jesus joins two dejected followers of his. They don't recognize him. They're on the road to Emmaus. And all, the, all they are aware of is that Jesus was crucified and that he died and he was buried. And he comes alongside them and they tell him. And then he goes through the whole of the Bible, beginning with Moses. And he points, he just leads him, explains how it points to a suffering and the glory of the Messiah. And later they say, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures? And Jesus repeatedly says, it is written, it is written, it is written. And occasionally he says, have you not read? Have you not read? So if the Bible, if he talks and acts, if the Bible is true, authoritative, helpful, powerful, I want to do that too. Even if some of my questions aren't answered. Sometimes I just have to leave them there. And some of them are big questions. I have to leave them there. Jesus, it seems, loved the word of God. And heart, mind, his will. 
If that is true of Jesus, I want it to be true of you. I want it to be true of me. Put on the belt of truth, my friends. Every day, Kings has got a, is following the version app, doing the New Testament in a year. I think some of you will find it a little bit easier than the one of doing the Old Testament, which some of you did last year. And um, it's kchw.co.uk forward slash Bible. It's on our website. Get on it. I mean, it's just regular reading of the Word of God. Get into the regular everyday discipline of being in God's words. There's lots of other avenues you can do, go to and have a look again. Look at the website. You know, buckle up, church. You know, buckle up with the word of truth. Be serious about it. Ask, and ask God to speak to you. So we've got a, a, a reading each, week, each day. and Ask God to speak to you. Otherwise, you'll take the box, read me Bible, out of the prayer, gone. No, 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 no. It's, this, is, this is alive. It's God breathed. Ask God to speak to you. Don't merely tick the box of duty. And, and secondly, you're in an army. I like to know who's alongside me. Don't you? Get knitted in. Get knitted into the church. Brothers and sisters, if you're in a battle, you need others. And here, if you don't feel like God loves you right now, or if you feel he's distant, your feelings, they'll ebb and flow. You know they can be fickle. You've got to know that about your feelings. They can be fickle. You need to know the truth. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, forever. Amen? See, the word of God is alive. It is powerful. And when you study it, it gives it the opportunity to study you. When you search it, you might find it searching you. And as you question it, (laughs) it questions you. Are you going to submit to his word or aren't you? You need to let this word get into your guts, right deep in here. You'll find it might disrupt you. Let it shock you. Let this word offend you. Let it shape you. Let it strengthen you. Let it empower you. Put it on. Know it. It's the word of truth. And it all points to him. If you're in Christ, nothing can touch you that doesn't touch him. Every pain, every disappointment, it goes through him. He feels your anguish even more than you do. Why? Because you're united with him. Your salvation is not a, merely a, a matter of a, a saving formula. It's a matter of a saving person. 
He swept you into himself. Listen, you're here to stay in him. Be it sins and suffering and failure and faltering, waywardness, wandering. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Now that's an amen. No depth. No depth his love can't go to. If you're in Christ, your union with him is unbreakable. And he's going to save you, my friends, to the uttermost. And he's going to walk you right into heaven and into his glorious presence. Hallelujah. Put on the bell of truth. Bless you.